Hello, everyone. Welcome to Perplexity, a mystery podcast. I'm your host, Kadra, and I'm so excited. Um, I can't believe that I'm starting a podcast. This is going to be really exciting. I am. <laughs> I'm nervous, but thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for just checking this out and being willing to listen. If you like the podcast and you end up liking this episode, please uh, follow the podcast and leave a review. When you leave reviews, it helps boost the algorithms so that the podcast can get more exposure. I've been wanting to start a podcast for a while, and I've always been really interested in true crime and mysterious events, strange stories. Really looking forward to this. If you have a story that you want me to talk about on here, and you know me personally, you can reach out to me on social media. Um, I'm in the pot, the process of considering making an email for the podcast so that people can email me their stories as well. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. But yeah, I, without further ado, I think this first episode is going to be interesting. I was trying to figure out what to talk about, and I really wanted to talk about something mysterious with like national parks, because I've heard a lot of weird stories that happen at national parks, murders, disappearances, ghost sightings. We hear about Bigfoot sightings in national parks too. So I started doing some research about a national park that I've never been to, but I really want to visit, which is Yellowstone. So this is going to be all about Yellowstone National Park and strange and unfortunate things that have happened there. So before we start talking about weird events that have happened in Yellowstone, I thought it would be good to give you guys some facts about Yellowstone. Yellowstone is a very large national park. It's about 3,500 square miles, which is nearly the size of Puerto Rico. And it actually sits on top of a dormant super volcano. Scientists sometimes call them mega colossal volcanoes. And this particular volcano that Yellowstone sits on top of is actually so powerful that it's capable of a magnitude of a level eight eruption, which is um, the highest possible magnitude. I had to look that up, just a little science for you. But the eruption of this volcano would be so devastating to our civilization it has the ability to expel more than a thousand cubic kilometers of rock and ash at once. And uh, it's way more powerful than the material that erupted from Mount St. Helens in the 80s, which killed 57 people. So that volcano is what causes Yellowstone to have its hot springs and geysers. Yellowstone is mostly in Wyoming, but it also spreads a little bit into Montana and Idaho. It has a lot of landscapes like canyons, rivers, forests, hot springs, of course, geysers, waterfalls. And its most famous geyser is Old Faithful, which we will talk about. Uh, Yellowstone also has more hot springs and geysers than any other place on Earth. And it's home to a lot of different animal species, which we will talk about. It was founded in the 1800s, uh, 1872 with what was known as the Yellowstone Act. And this park is one of the most popular national parks in the United States and in the world. 
because it has millions of visitors each year. Uh, the name of the park came from the sandstone along with the Yellowstone River in eastern Montana. And the hot springs that are in the park are, of course, very, very hot. They're also very acidic and deadly to wildlife. Yellowstone also gets a lot of earthquakes. I did not know this. Um, so they say that there's between 1,500 and 2,000 earthquakes each year in Yellowstone. So that's almost five earthquakes per day. And a lot of people think that there's a higher incidence of deaths in national parks. So that's part of why I wanted to talk about this and research this because there's been like a lot of stories and speculation that weird things happen in national parks and they're really dangerous and more people die there. Um, but from what I found in my research, the numbers actually seem to be pretty low, especially compared to how many visitors they get annually, uh, particularly in the national parks in the United States. In 2018, the National Park Services estimated there's about one death per every million visitors. And they also did studies on parks outside of the U.S. So they were saying Denali, the Virgin Islands, and Big Bend made the top three for most dangerous national parks in the world. Yellowstone was very, 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 very far down the list. Uh, it seems like most of the time... When people die in national parks, it's more so related to environmental conditions, uh, drownings, and then some other common ones were motor vehicle accidents and falls. So if you end up liking this episode and you want to learn more about the events I'm going to describe, a lot of them are documented in Lee H. Whitlessey's books. I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, he is a Yellowstone National Park historian, and he worked for Yellowstone many, many years. I don't know if he still works there, but he's written a lot of books about Yellowstone, including books about deaths in Yellowstone. And I'll be mentioning some things about him in this episode as well, but check his things out. I thought we would start off first talking about the hot springs because that's one of the more popular attractions people like to visit there. Since 1870, 22 cases have been documented where someone died due to the hot springs and geysers. So I'm going to talk about a few of those. June 7th, 2016, a 23-year-old man named Colin Nathaniel Scott from Portland, Oregon, slipped and fell into a hot spring near Pork Chop Geyser in the Norris Geyser Basin. And him and his sister basically were walking on a boardwalk. They left the boardwalk and went further than they were allowed to and walked several hundred feet up a hill to one of the geyser basins. They were planning to do what was called hot potting. So I had never heard of this, but it's where you get into a hot spring and soak. And I guess they were going to record it. So... His sister was recording their whole journey to the hot spring on her cell phone, and she was actually recording when Colin fell into the hot spring. So the video wasn't released to the public, so that's good. So this particular geyser that he fell into was highly acidic and incredibly hot. His sister 
told people that basically what happened is he was reaching down to check the temperature of the hot spring when he slipped and fell in. And at this temperature, people think that he would have suffered from what's called a full thickness burn in less than a minute. So this burn would have been so severe that it would have caused his nervous system to go into total shock and shut down and his organs would have failed. Death would have occurred in approximately two to three minutes, which to me is way too long. That seems horrifying. Search and rescue rangers arrived and they were not able to find his body or excuse me, they did find his body, but a lightning storm stopped the recovery efforts. So they had to stop searching and recovering. The next day they came back, but the workers couldn't find any remains. And they think because of the high acid content in the water, his bones would have broken down in a few hours. So basically his body completely dissolved in the hot spring. Now, interestingly enough, there is a little bit more to this story. So supposedly there is a first person account of Colin's death. There was a Reddit user named Yellowstone Yoda. They claimed to have been a first responder at the scene. The sister showed him a video of the incident and he claimed that Colin was staring at a floating nude female figure with translucent skin. The figure was also or emitting a low humming noise. When the low humming started, that's when Colin fell into the water. So some people believe that Colin died because he was lured into the water by a siren. The next incident that happened in the hot springs that I'm going to talk about, I am not going to use this person's name. This is a really recent story, um, but it is a survivor story. So in 2021, there was a young woman. She was from Washington State and visiting Yellowstone with her dad and her two dogs. When her and her dad arrived, they opened the car doors and she was grabbing the dog leashes. Well, when she opened the door, one of the dogs jumped out of the car before she had the chance to get the dogs on their leashes. This one dog jumped out. The other dog stayed in the car, but the dog that jumped out started running towards the maiden's grave hot spring. And the dog ended up jumping into the hot spring. So she went in after him to try to save him. So she ran in and she was not able to get out. Neither was the dog. So it ended up being the woman's father that had to pull both of them out of the water. There was no place to call 911. So he rushes his daughter to the hospital. Um, the nearest hospital was 16 miles away. They had to get her to the hospital. Somehow in all of this, I'm not sure, but they managed to get the dog to emergency vet care. But the dog, unfortunately, did not survive. Uh, the woman, however, did survive. She was in critical condition, and she was placed in a medically induced coma in the hospital. She had second-degree burns covering 70% of her body and third-degree burns covering 20% of her body. So basically, everything except her head was covered in burns. And she ended up requiring 18 surgeries. 
I found several other stories like this uh, involving people trying to save their dogs, but none of the dogs survived and the stories were incredibly depressing. I thought I would just touch on one since there was a survivor. And the most recent story I found involving the hot springs was uh, July 31st, 2022. So really recent. It was at Abyss Pool. I don't have a lot of information because not very much has been released to the public because the investigation is still ongoing. But investigators are saying to the media that they don't suspect any foul play. They think only one person was involved and that the victim did not survive the hot springs. So basically, some type of incident occurred July 31st, 2022, where this person died in the hot springs, right? So a little time goes by, and on August 16th, part of a human foot was found inside of a shoe floating sole up at Abyss Pool. The police believe that this finding is leaked to the inci- or linked to the incident on July 31st. Uh, the shoe was apparently found by a park employee. So now let's talk about some disappearances. A source that I used for the disappearances, um, this was a New York Post article by Eric Spitznagel. This is because the Department of the Interior that oversees the National Park Service doesn't keep track of these numbers, which some people find suspicious. (laughs) The most reliable information on missing people in the wilderness has actually come from Bigfoot hunters. In 2011... This guy named David Polides, he's the founder of the North American Bigfoot Search, and he basically launched this database of wildland disappearances that occurred under, quote, mysterious circumstances. From his research, there are at least 1,600 people currently missing in the United States that are believed to have disappeared in the wilderness. Most people disappear in the late afternoon or just before severe weather occurs. Bodies are often found in previously searched areas and often without clothing or footwear. Even when hypothermia has been ruled out, basically what they're saying for people who don't know here, when you are dying from hypothermia, one of the last stages is you feel unbelievably hot and you shed your clothing. So that's what they're talking about there. Children are sometimes found at improbably far distances from where they went missing. So some people link that to Bigfoot or something, you know, carrying them really far because it's not probable for a child to have gotten that far by themselves. Uh, We've all heard pretty much about the Gabby Petito case last year. And her case actually sparked quite a bit of controversy because of how long it took to recover her body. And also there were a lot of conspiracy theories about her case. Um, The internet basically started talking about how national parks are a haven for cannibals. And people were starting to say like disappearances and homicides are disproportionately common in national parks. That's why I thought it would be important to kind of touch on those statistics and how there's basically one death for every one million visitors. Pretty low 
Um, drowning is the leading cause of death in national parks. He went missing in April of 1991 in Yellowstone, of course, in Sweetgrass County, Montana. So he was in the area of Yellowstone that was in that spot in Montana. He was 42 years old. And on April 6, 1991, a female friend of his dropped him off at Hell Roaring Creek Trailhead. And he had his one-year-old blue healer dog with him named Freckles, which is the cutest name ever. And he plans to hike to Jardine, Jardine. I don't know how you say that. We're going to say Jardine, Jardine, Montana. And he plans to pick up some elk antlers that he illegally collected and cached along the way. So apparently at least back then, it was pretty common to do this, particularly in national parks, and you can make a lot of money. Um, he had planned to meet his girlfriend in the Jardine area outside of the park two days later. He had extensive outdoors experience, and that day he packed really light, so it wouldn't really make sense for him to you know, be planning to disappear. He didn't really have a lot of belongings with him. He didn't show up two days later to meet his girlfriend. The articles I looked at mentioned a woman named Tracy Erb, and I'm assuming this is his girlfriend. Um, she reported him missing to Yellowstone and Park County authorities on April 8th. That's when aerial and ground searches began, or um, one day later they started. So Aerial and ground searches began on April 9th, and deputies ended up seizing some camping gear from some local horn hunters that they found who had been camping just outside of the park's northern boundary, but the gear was later returned without doing any type of fingerprint analysis or fiber analysis. During the time Dan went missing, there were also really heavy so uh, snowstorms in the area, so again... That data we were talking about earlier, where more people disappear around times of bad weather. Thought that was interesting. Um, Dan's brother believes that he actually may have been murdered by the horn hunters, possibly in like some kind of dispute over the antlers he was co collecting. And his brothers also say that there were as many as 14 people in the area horn hunting at the time of Dan's disappearance. So they kind of, Dan's brothers basically started investigating his disappearance, doing like an investigation of their own because the way that they tell everything, the police didn't do very much. Um, authorities also speculated that Campbell may have purposefully disappeared to escape his poor financial situation. I guess he was having money troubles. So they speculated that. And his brothers also had suspicions of some specific people, apparently, um, because in the article, they talked about how the brothers and other family members wanted four of Campbell's acquaintances to submit to lie detector tests. But from what I found, it sounded like the lie detector tests were never conducted. So in 2000, three of Dan's brothers actually sued the former Park County Sheriff who ran the investigation. His name was Charlie Johnson. He led the whole investigation on Dan's disappearance. And his brothers claim 
in the media that he completely botched the investigation and caused negligent inflection of emotional distress. Dan's case still remains open and it is still a missing persons case. So another really interesting thing that I found when researching Yellowstone is I found out about something called the death zone or the zone of death. There is actually this 50 square mile area in Yellowstone, um, particularly in Idaho. It's known as the zone of death. It's tucked away in really far east Idaho along the Montana border. It's actually a place where it would be unconstitutional to prosecute a murderer. This is because of a teeny tiny mistake that Congress made that has to do with the Sixth Amendment. The Sixth Amendment gives us the right to a local jury, and the founders at the time were paranoid about being controlled by people that were from far away, and they wanted justice to be super local. They said juries are going to be very close to the scene of the crime. They needed to be from the same state and the same federal district. In Yellowstone, Congress basically drew a really messy map when they were trying to figure out zoning for these things because Yellowstone was actually founded before the state of Wyoming was founded. (laughs) Because remember, it was founded in the 1870s. It was also founded before we had Idaho and before we had Montana. When the states were drawn, Congress colored outside of the lines. States and federal districts don't line up, and all of Yellowstone is one district. So the district of Wyoming. Inside that district, there are some slivers of Idaho and Montana. But, okay, so this is why it's called the death zone, okay? No one at all lives in the Idaho sliver, that 50 square miles I was talking about earlier. And only a few people live in the Montana sliver. If you commit a crime in one of these places, it would be really, really hard to find a jury. So no jury means no trial. And the constitution guarantees trial by jury. So technically you can't be prosecuted. (laughs) Like, what? However, Idaho state jurisdiction still applies there. So I don't know how all of this works exactly, but something to think about. And while no murders, allegedly, have been recorded in Idaho's death zone, there are questions of whether or not they've occurred, but haven't been investigated because of the location. So now I thought I would get into some of the deaths that had happened due to animals. So first I'm going to talk about some bear attacks. Since Yellowstone was established in 1872, several people have been killed by bears in the park over the years. I was able to find information about eight people that have been killed by bears, but the earliest specific stories I could find went as far back as 1916. So, but I did find some other sources that said that it went back further than that. I just couldn't find specific stories. So, um, in 1916, a grizzly bear killed a man in a roadside camp. In 1942, a bear killed a woman at night in the Old Faithful campground. The species of the bear involved wasn't determined. 
And 30 years later, in 1972, an old adult, adult female grizzly bear killed a man in an illegally established camp. The man actually surprised the bear when he was coming back to his campsite at night. And the bear was in his camp eating food that he had left out. In 1984, a grizzly bear killed a backpacker in a country, a backcountry campsite located in the southern end of White Lake near Pelican Valley. In 86, a photographer was killed by an adult female grizzly bear near Otter Creek in Hayden Valley. In 2011, a day hiker in a party of two was killed by an adult female grizzly bear with two cubs on the Wapiti Lake Trail in Hayden Valley. And also another story in 2011, a day hiker who was hiking by himself was killed by a grizzly bear on the Mary Mountain Trail again in Hayden Valley. And the last story I found was in 2015, a day hiker hiking by himself was killed by an adult female grizzly bear with two cubs near the Elephant Back Loop Trail in the Lake Village. There have also been a lot of incidents, well, not a lot, but quite a few with bison. Particularly, there's been this weird uptick in bison attacks over the last year. So I found this article from LiveScience.com by Harry Baker, and it's uh, from July 2022. And it talks about how during the summer of this year, three people were gored by bison in a single month in Yellowstone. Wednesday, June 29th, a 71-year-old woman from Pennsylvania was gored by a bull bison near Storm Point at Yellowstone Lake. She had non-life-threatening injuries and was taken to the hospital. Just two days earlier, on June 27th, another bull charged at a 34-year-old man from Colorado who was walking with his family on a boardwalk near the giant geyser at Old Faithful. The man sustained injuries to his arm and was also taken to the hospital, but as far as I know, he is okay. And the first incident in 2022 occurred on May 31st when a 25-year-old woman from Ohio was attacked near a boardwalk at Black Sand Basin just north of Old Faithful. She was actually gored and thrown 10 feet or three meters into the air. And she ended up having a really bad puncture wound and other minor injuries. But again, as far as I know, all of these people were luckily okay. So I think now it is time to get into some paranormal some strange, creepy stories. So at Yellowstone, there is something called lake music, and there's a lot of stories. A lot of people have reported hearing this lake music. There's stories as early as the 1880s, which, again, Yellowstone was founded in 1872, so only like eight years after it was founded, people started talking about this, and they've been talking about it ever since. Um, I've also heard some stories of it happening in other parks or similar things. So it's, I think it's just something about that open forest space. But it's basically this buzzing sound 
that moves across the uh, Lake Yellowstone. There was an early engineer in the park that called it overhead sound. And he basically described it as this incredibly intense buzzing sound that sounds like it's right above your head. Other people have described it as sounding like metal cables crashing against each other. And I thought this particular description was creepy. Um, Ethereal organ music, which organs are always creepy. So, And Lee Whitlessey, our Yellowstone historian friend that I talked about earlier, he has also heard this lake music before. He recalls the lake music as well and compares it to, quote, ringing of telegraph wires or, quote, the humming of a swarm of bees. A lot of people who have heard lake music say that it grows louder and louder and more and more intense until it seems to be coming from right overhead. And then just as quickly as it started, it rapidly fades away. And all of a sudden, it's just silent. The lake music seems to occur for really short periods of time in the morning. And because there have been so many reports on lake music, it's actually led to some scientific studies. There are some theories. Some of the theories say that it could be due to the mild earthquakes that happen all the time in the uh, park or um, the rapid temperature inversions due to the hot springs, but no one has ever been able to conclude exactly what causes this buzzing noise. So unfortunately, when I started looking into potential Yeti or Bigfoot sightings in Yellowstone, I really could not find anything, you guys. Nothing concrete anyway. There's just very little information online about Bigfoot sightings, particularly in Yellowstone. Uh, the only thing I could really find was this alleged sighting in December 2015, and it was captured right by Old Faithful. Um, there's a YouTube video of the sighting. It was uploaded by a woman named Mary Greeley, and they're in like the foreground of the video, and in the background you see all these trees and then you start to see kind of like the lower half of bodies. You see these legs walking because you can't really see the rest of them because they're behind the trees. And there's like three or four dark figures. And some people describe them as looking like ape-like creatures. You can see these figures for about 30 seconds. It caught the attention of a lot of Bigfoot enthusiasts. But to me, you guys, when I watched the video, it's very clear in my opinion that it's just skiers or people walking around in like big snow, like ski clothes. The walking is incredibly human-like, very normal looking. And the figures also seem to be like normal size. They don't appear to be incredibly large or any animalistic kinds of qualities. So sorry to disappoint, guys. No um, Bigfoot sightings that I was able to find in Yellowstone. Now, with that being said, there are quite a bit of ghostly sightings. So we'll get into those now. Um, ghosts are said to inhabit all areas of Yellowstone. 
But the place that has had the most sightings by far is a place called the Old Faithful Inn in Wyoming. It was built in 1903. And the inn's most famous guest is the deceased guest known as the Headless Bride. Now, this is a legend. So the legend basically goes that she was found in the hotel around 1915. She was found decapitated in the bathtub in her room, and she stayed in room 127. People think that she was murdered by her husband, that they had some type of big argument. Um, People say that they see her walking up and down the stairs throughout the night with her head tucked under her arm. So this is interesting because the legend also goes that when they found her body in the bathtub, they she was decapitated. They couldn't find her head. This inn, I looked it up online. It's like three stories. It's It basically is like this giant, fancy, schmancy log cabin. And at the top of the log cabin, they built this crow's nest. The legend goes that a couple of days after they found her body, there was this awful smell. And they couldn't figure out what it was. So eventually, after they checked all the lower floors, they finally decided to check the crow's nest. And apparently that's where they found her head. Or see this woman walking up and down the stairs throughout the night. They will often see her walking from the crow's nest down the stairs to the lower floors with her head tucked under her arm. So horrifying, extremely creepy. Now, what's also interesting about this, though, the Headless Bride, again, is a legend. The assistant manager that either still works at the Old Faithful Inn or did work there, he admitted to making this story up to attract visitors, but a lot of people report this sighting. So then there's kind of that question of, like, is it one of those things where people hear the story and they want to see it so they see it or is it like where there's smoke there's fire and there's actually something there to that story if you guys want to learn more about the headless bride legend yellowstonenationalpark.com has a lot of interesting um, information and they have an article all about the headless bride titled Headless Bride Ghost of Faithful Inn. And it goes into more details about the legends, like who the husband was, more about the woman, where she was from, why they were at this hotel. So definitely check that out if you want to learn more. So she's the one who's been seen the most, and most of the sightings that are reported happen at this inn. There have been other reports at this inn as well. There was another story in room two at the Old Faithful Inn where a woman allegedly woke up and she, so she was sleeping in her bed with her husband. She wakes up and she grabbed her husband and asked him if he could see this woman floating at the foot of their bed. She described the floating apparition as being dressed in 1890s garb and just staring at her. Um, The next morning, 
her husband told the activities agent at the hotel the story and he had the claw marks on his shoulder from his wife's fingernails because she was so terrified. There have also been some interesting things where people have said like objects have been moved around the inn. There was someone called uh, an inspectress walking the halls of the inn one night and she says that she saw a fire extinguisher turn itself upside down and then as she kept walking the fire extinguisher like put itself back in its original position and the um assistant manager of the inn the one who apparently made up the story <laughs> about the headless bride for tourists it's interesting because like while he admits to making up that story he's also said he has seen doors open and shut on their own. So I don't know if that's like another story he made up or something he had actually seen, but I thought that was interesting. Now, outside of the Old Faithful Inn, there have been other ghost sightings throughout the park. There have been a lot of ghost sightings in Lower Falls. There is uh, this legend that some people hear chanting of Native Americans that drowned there in 1870. And some people have even reported that they saw mauled and disfigured ghosts of people who have been killed by bears there. So that's terrifying. There was also a website I found uh, called ranker.com. And they talk more about the Native American ghosts a little bit. And they basically say that there was a group of militiamen that were exploring the um, area for gold. Their um, horses were stolen by Native Americans. So these militiamen decided to chase them down, find them, and the chase ended at the waterfall. So the Native Americans basically were trapped at the waterfall and they tried to cross the river by raft, but they were swept over the falls and killed. Sometimes people will hear the chanting near the lower falls. Other people have claimed they will see the water turn red as if it's stained with blood. Another ghost story they talk about on Ranker.com is from the 1920s. And this involved a park employee who was told by his supervisor to go inspect a ship that had wrecked called the E.C. Waters. It was a steamboat that had wrecked on Stevenson Island. Supposedly, there were a bunch of party goers that had been on the boat the night before. But when the man went to check out the boat, he found a lot more than just some beer bottles and hungover people. A storm started to happen as he was getting onto the boat, and he came across a body that was in really soaking wet clothing, and the fashion was a bit strange. He said that the clothing seemed outdated, like it was from an earlier century. The man had no pulse. His eyes were bulging and his face was blue. What's even creepier, as if this wasn't already terrifying enough, as suddenly as this guy discovered this body, the body 
vanished. And when the body vanished, the storm that had started outside immediately stopped. Another really old ghost story. So going back to 1903, there was a man who was 77 years old named John F. Yancey. And he met President Roosevelt during the dedication of the Roosevelt Arch in Gardiner, Montana in 1903. But he ended up getting sick. He got a cold at the event and he ended up dying of pneumonia not long after that. Park employees claim that Yancey's ghost took up residence in Yellowstone's Roosevelt Lodge and that he can be a bit of a nuisance. Sometimes the park employees will hear a tin cup banging on the walls of the employee quarters in the early morning hours. Other times, things will be hidden before they appear again in random places. And Yancey's ghost is also really well known for unsaddling the horses in Yellowstone, especially if they had just been ridden by pretty girls. So the last thing that I looked around, uh, tried to find was I wanted to see if there had been any alien sightings, UFO sightings. I did find some information that said it is a reported hotspot for alien enthusiasts and that they see UFOs regularly. There was also an article that talked about how reports of UFO sightings go as far back as 1871, that there's been hundreds of UFO sightings, but then I couldn't find anything in my research about specific alien sightings. I thought that was interesting. The The one thing that I did find, which was actually really funny, um, it was this guy who it looked like he had a cabin. He thought he saw a UFO and he was recording and basically talking about how the trees at a certain time of year released white floating pieces of, I don't know, some kind of flower material. So the they're like floating everywhere in the air. And he was, you know, sitting outside watching these white floating things floating around everywhere. And he noticed there were some that were up by the mountains that weren't moving. So he got his camera and started zooming in closer and realized that they weren't these white floating things from the trees because they were completely stagnant. And so he thought they might be UFOs and they basically looked like these, but then he found out later that they were these um, balloons from Google that I guess we're doing some type of like map scanning of the area. So that was the only thing I could find on, on YouTube and in my research there. But yeah, guys, that is Yellowstone. And my first episode of Perplexity, a mystery podcast. If you've made it this far, wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. Like I said at the beginning of the show, if you liked this episode, please follow the podcast and please leave a review. Reviews will make my day. <laughs> they could also break my day. I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, leave a review. And um, I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode. And like I said, if you have a story and you follow me on social media, feel free to send me something or let, you, let me know what you want me to cover next. I've already gotten 
a request, which is amazing. And um, thank you guys so, so much. I will talk to y'all next time. Thank you.